Hello and welcome in to another edition of the TNBL Times podcast. This is Vincent speaking. Uh, just wrapped up the first round of the playoffs uh, about 20 minutes ago. Then I jotted down some notes on the uh, on the uh, second round of the playoffs and beyond. So uh, we're going to mostly get into that tonight, and then uh, I'm going to do my take on the postseason awards at the end uh just to just to put a little bit more out there since i missed the first round uh wasn't able to get to it last night and then by the time i was able to get to it this afternoon it was going to be right before the sim and uh it just didn't make sense to to try to rush through it so this way uh get to talk about awards and we get the first round out of the way and we can focus on the uh, the top eight teams left in the playoffs. So um, I guess without further ado, um, well here I'll I guess I'll here I'll do a little bit of a recap on uh, on the first round. Uh, give a proper sending off to uh, to the teams that that fell in the first round. Uh, Fargo sweeps Seattle for nothing. That was a really tough series for Seattle. They uh, lose five to four exactly in three different games with Fargo uh, coming from behind in the ninth inning and then, an, uh, well, scored two, I believe, in the in the bottom of the ninth in game one and then scored one in the bottom of the ninth of game two to tie it and then ended up winning it in extras and then uh, won again in game three, five to four, and then uh, blew Seattle out uh, on the road to get that sweep. So I this is the one first round series that I did not predict correctly. I said Seattle in seven, uh, Fargo in four is literally the furthest uh, that I could have been wrong. So uh, kudos to Fargo. I will be seeing them in the second round. So that, that should be interesting. Fargo, of course, the, uh, the original franchise that defeated me in the uh, ALCS way back in 2028 when they were the Minnesota Twins. Uh, upset me in that matchup that's the i have I think i've been to the to the semifinals only one other time since then maybe twice uh but never have i been as close to the world series as i was in that first season which i uh, was upset far, by fargo so it's possible that we get uh, a little bit of deja vu there so uh moving on uh gentlemen sweep of uh, baton rouge for brooklyn uh, I picked Brooklyn in this. Maybe it was lucky. I don't know. I just kind of like, I, I think Brooklyn underperformed a little bit all year. And if you look at run differential in the uh, Pythagorean wins expect, win expectancy, Brooklyn was only about three games behind uh, behind Baton Rouge in that statistic. And I think Baton Rouge just has some, some pretty glaring weaknesses. They're 21st in on-base percentage, uh, so, you know, fifth in home runs, but they were still only, uh, you know, mediocre at scoring runs and heavily dependent on home runs. And that's not exactly what you want. And I just, uh, I, I like, I like Baton Rouge's rotation, but I yeah, also like, uh, also liked um, Brooklyn's rotation. So um, yeah, I ended up picking Brooklyn there and uh, Brooklyn takes care of it in five. They will see Pittsburgh in the second round. Um, and then let's see here. Boston defeats Everett in six. Ivan um, Torres is the MVP of that series. I don't know if he actually was by the game, but he certainly was. I think Tom put it in uh, put it in the slack. He over two starts, seventeen and two thirds innings, so one off. You know, 
basically two complete games. Uh, I think one of them was almost a Maddox. Um, let me see if I can find the exact stat. Yeah, here we go. Two, uh, two wins, 17 and two thirds innings, and zero earned runs. So that is about as good as you can get from Yvonne Torres, who of course is an all-time great. Uh, maybe his last year of his, I don't know if, I mean, he's, he's 35, so he's, he's already, he's past his prime, um, but maybe his last year of true dominance. Um, we'll have to see. I mean, he put up five and a half war this year, so maybe he has a little bit left in the tank, but his, his stuff is certainly regressing 71 out of 98. Um, yeah, I mean, he's still got three really solid pitches and, and great stamina, but his velocity is, uh, he, he tops out at 93 now. So we'll see. Uh, maybe he's got one more really solid year left. Uh, and Boston should hope so because he's going to make $33 million next year. So hopefully, uh, hopefully for Boston's sake, he gets one more year out of Mr. Torres. Um, last first round series was Italia shutting down Durham four games to one. This series was closer than that. Um, a lot of really close games, actually, in that series. Let's let's go through here. Uh, Durham went, Durham won the first game three to one, and they lost the next four. Lost game two by one run. Lost game three by one run. Lost game four by three runs, and game four by one run. So, lost four games in a row by a total of six runs, uh, with the minimum being four. So, uh, it's about as close as you can get. Uh, you know, to in several of those games, a uh, bunch of low-scoring affairs between two really solid pitching teams, two really solid defensive teams. Um, so not too surprising, but the I mean the most interesting subplot here is whether or not Andrew decides to stick around in Durham. Of course, last time he uh, uh, was you know he was he was in Seattle, and then he gets Seattle to the playoffs, and then he decides that he's going to. Uh, pop on over to Durham to fix up that franchise after he'd fixed up Seattle. So now that Durham has made the playoffs, um, you know, he's, he's already, he's declared himself a free agent in the slack. So we'll have, we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, and it is, it's also worth noting here, Durham's in a, Durham's, I think Andrew would, would agree that the, the 26 man roster that is there in Durham right now is, is merely average, uh, top to bottom there, you know, Mort's is really good. Uh, was it Luis Diaz? There's a couple other really good pieces in there, but the real the real crown jewel of, of what's happening there is in the farm system with guys like Burt Powell and Tony Mickelson. So whoever ends up uh, in Durham, whether it's Andrew continuing on for another year or uh, a potential new owner that I know we've contacted uh, or somebody else in the league wanting to give that a shot, Durham is going to be set up for a long time because of Andrew. And it's worth noting the last time Andrew. Uh, left the team, so Andrew makes the playoffs in Seattle in 2034. Two seasons later, 2036, Seattle upsets Cloud City. I guess it wasn't an upset that, at that point, but Seattle wins 110 games, uh, gets first in the league and defeats Cloud City in the Thunderdome to win the, uh, to win the World Series. So uh, Andrew's got a, a track record for that. It'll be interesting to see what he ultimately decides to do this off season. Um, you know, maybe I wasn't nice enough to this line. I mean, Moritz, Luis Diaz, Ed Berrigan, and Ernesto Luna are, are pieces for sure. Uh, albeit Luna is going to be 33 uh, here pretty shortly. And then uh, Daryl Arsenault, starting pitcher, 26 years old. 
awesome. I tried to trade for him a bunch. Um, Gus Soberness, I believe, I believe that he is a former uh, draft pick of mine, and yes, he is. Um, and that's unfortunate because I picked him in the twelfth round and then traded him to Italia in a throwaway deal, or as a, as a throwaway piece, and then he develops into a sixty-two potential starting pitcher with uh, two blue pitches. So. Uh, I'm extremely bitter about that. Yeah, pretty salty. Um, but you got that farm in Durham. You got Mickelson, Valdez, Burt Powell. Uh, let's see, Joel Velasquez looks really good too. Pretty good at least. So Durham looking strong. Um, all right, let's go. Let's look toward the future. Got eight solid minutes here on the past. Let's look toward the future. Going to start things off just in the top left. Uh, Vincent versus Fargo. Um, I'm hoping that my offense will be able to outlast Fargo's apparent clutch gene. Um, that is what happened in the first round. Fargo is just really clutch. Had a few, a couple come from behind wins. I'm hoping that my offense can put up six or seven runs a game. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't have to deal with that. I'm also hoping my bullpen, which... Um, underperformed a little bit all year, in my opinion, uh, but ended up with the fifth best bullpen ERA in the league. So a, a top five bullpen by that measure, I'm hoping uh, they are able to uh, to hold off some of those those late collapses that Seattle was unable to avoid. Um, Fargo's bullpen is terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's got, first off, he's got somebody named David David in there who I just discovered as a setup man. While that is a great name, uh, David David is not very good ratings-wise, at least. Um, 37 control, 51 movement, and he's got three pitches, so even his blue stuff is a little bit uh, a little bit lessened. Uh, it's not as much of a factor. But 45 innings this year, and he had negative war with a 93 RA plus, and that is, he's in position to be Fargo's second-best reliever. Um... Carlos Pineda is actually, who's his other setup man, is, is very similar in terms of his makeup, three pitches with below average movement and control, um, and actually should just be a starting pitcher, frankly. Um, but he had, he, had a, he had a better year out of the bullpen in terms of productivity. Um, and then Je Jesse Van Gerwen is solid um, as his closer. But I, I don't know, on a, on a great bullpen, I think you'd want somebody with Jesse Van Gerwen's makeup to be a middle reliever or maybe to set him in a pinch and not, not, your, not somebody that you'd want to rely on um, to be your closer, uh, even though, he, you know, put up, so let's see here, 78 innings and zero war, which tells me that uh, his, he got a little bit lucky in the fielding independent pitching department. Um, I'm looking this up on the fly here. Yeah, so FIP of 4.29, not what you want in your closer. So I'm hoping that we are able to uh, take advantage of Fargo's weakness there in the later innings. That's going to be my game plan. Um, I do like everything else about Fargo's team. Uh, Zamora, Kasaka, and Tucker is a really nasty 3-4-5, but they're all lefties and none of them can really play against the right, uh, sorry, none of them can play really against left-handed pitching, and I'm going to be starting left-handed pitchers in three of the seven games, so, and maybe even four, I haven't finalized my rotation yet, but at least three of the seven games I will be starting a left-handed pitcher, uh, mostly to try to neutralize the middle of that lineup, 
Um, I have an option. I mean, keep Mitchell Kievel's in my rotation, and then Enrique Dalma, Dalmu, Dalmau. I don't know how to say say his name, even though I traded a first round pick for him. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He is uh, he's on the bubble to be in my rotation, um, but he's gonna. I think he because of the way that Fargo's lineup works, I think he's going to start at least one game, uh, probably game four. So um, obviously, with all bias here, uh, I'm saying Vincent in five. So. Uh, second matchup, Pittsburgh versus Brooklyn. Um, I picked Brooklyn in the first round to upset Baton Rouge, like I said, and, uh, I, I just, I, I don't know that Brooklyn can, has enough left in the tank to do this. It's been a great run. Brooklyn goes from game 163 or technically game 162, I guess. And, uh, who do they defeat? I already forgot. Uh, Washington defeats Washington and, uh, and then defeats the f- number five seed Baton Rouge. Um, in pretty convincing fashion, honestly. Um, but Pittsburgh, I think, is too strong. So Pittsburgh is top half of the league in every single category. Um, my concerns with them are eight, they're eighth in home runs and they're 12th in defense, which are two, I think, of the most important categories uh, when you talk about October in this game. Um, home runs are so important for, for run producing. You don't want to be reliant on them, but you need to be able to hit them. And so... I would call eighth, you know, a little bit above mediocre. Um, and then 12th in defense, that's not terrible. There are certain, there are teams that we're going to get to here later on that are worse in defense, at least one team um, that is still in the mix here. Uh, but I would be concerned about that. Um, Brooklyn, like I said, you don't want to rely on home runs, but you need to be able to hit them. Brooklyn is a team that, uh, that relies on home runs. They are um, seventh in runs scored. But third, in, they're third in home runs. Um, but they're only seventh in, in runs scored because they're seventh in batting average and, and eleventh in on base percentage. So um, they really need to be able to uh, to hit home runs in order to generate runs, um, which is not something you know that again that you want to rely on uh, this time of year. He, Brooklyn, I think, was able to do that against Baton Rouge. Um, will he be able to do that against Pittsburgh? I'm guessing not. The other main flaw with Brooklyn, 15th in defense, um, just a little bit worse than Pittsburgh. Probably negligible, but odds are one of those defenses is going to collapse in this series. Um, and I, I, I guess I would have to pick Brooklyn because I think Pittsburgh's just the better offensive team that's going to put more pressure uh, on that other defense. So I'm going uh, Pittsburgh in six here. Um, Philly versus Boston. Philadelphia is absolutely on fire. They finished the regular season 24 and seven. However, however, they're 21st in defense. That is horrific. How are they even, how did they get a top four seed being 21st in defense? It's unbelievable. I don't know. I, I doubt that this has happened very often that a team finishes top four with, uh, with being 21st in defense. Um, other concern here um, for Philadelphia is just Boston's playoff mojo and whether or not you want to admit that is real um i've seen it firsthand i I was recanting in the uh in the slack earlier tonight about 2029 i have the most wins in the league i get uh i get in to play boston in the uh in the playoffs here and uh i believe it was the second round they had upsets they'd won like 80 they went like 82 and 80 i think um and then they swept me just absolutely uh, mopped the floor with my number one team in 2029. Um, 
me make sure I'm getting that right here. Yeah, so actually, wow. So not only did they sweep me, Boston in the first round swept Cloud City, uh, which at the time Cloud City wasn't quite what they were, but it was their, you know, their first time making the playoffs. They had an up-and-coming roster, I believe. Uh, I believe they had the MVP that season um, and swept them, swept me. It was the Yankees at the time. Beat, uh, at the time they were the Pisanos. Help me out, Tom. I don't know how to pronounce that. It was Tom's team at the time. Uh, now it's the Portland Beavers. It's that franchise. And then they beat, uh, they went on to beat Myrtle Beach in six, which the longtimers here will remember for a long time. Nobody thought we were getting a Cloud City dynasty. We thought we were going to get a Myrtle Beach dynasty because of that Carlos Mateo and uh, Angel Garcia and uh, Kelvin Bahanahan that rotation, um, it never ended up coming to be. And actually, I don't think Myrtle Beach ever even made another World Series. Um, and they were the Colorado Rockies at the time. We called it Rocktober because they ran through the playoffs uh, so succinctly in 2028. Um, but so yeah, Boston has done this before. Boston also won um, the World Series. Or no, they didn't win the World Series. But they got close another time. Um, now I'm blanking. I don't remember. I think Claude, somebody's going to have to help. One of these other members is going to have to help me remember uh, one of the times that they've uh, just been able to upset teams in the postseason. I mean, it's they've had a knack for it this whole time. So, um, yeah, back to actual analysis, though. Um Avon Torres for Boston is absolutely on fire. Uh, as I said, um, as I said uh, when I was breaking down the first round, could that if that's two wins for Boston, if his two starts are two wins for Boston, then I think Philly's cooked. Um, I like both rotations overall, um, but I think uh, I think Boston having that Avon Torres factor might just be a little bit too much. Um, one thing I will say, I wanna highlight this. I don't know how much of an impact it's gonna have on the series, but I was going through it and I noticed it and it's crazy. Rodrigo Arroyo, okay? Since Philadelphia acquired him at, I believe the trade deadline uh, earlier this year, 30, he, played th he started 37 games for Philadelphia, okay? He hit 357 with an on-base percentage of 425 had 11 home runs and 39 RBI. 39 RBI in 37 games. That's not, that'd be like, you know, you're gonna have almost 170 RBI at that pace if he, if he played that way over the course of the full season. Two war in not even, in, in 37 games. It's crazy. OPS plus of 191. Rodrigo Arroyo um, is playing like a guy who absolutely could flip this series. Um, and I think it's a big reason why Philadelphia played so well down the stretch. Um, all of that being said, I'm going with Boston in seven because I think Philadelphia's defense is, uh, is an issue. Um, I don't know specifically who, I mean, first off their catcher, Gustavo Vasquez is a bad defender. Um, and I think that's one of the premier important positions that you want to be uh, good defensively at. Um, Jamie Blanc is, it says he's a good defender at second base, 68 second base, but his range is only 50, which is not really good enough to play second base. Uh, he's only a 68 second base because he is 
elite at turning double plays, which is a nice thing to have, but he doesn't have doesn't really have the range to play second base. Um, and then, um, oh, I'm I'm a huge wait. Yeah, I'm a big idiot actually. I'm reading off Boston's lineup. I thought that sounded wrong. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> uh, just just remove that last part as I was talking about Philadelphia's defense while looking over Boston's uh, Boston's roster here. Um, so the actual reason why Philadelphia's defense is bad, uh, Danny Trebizano is probably not supposed to be a center fielder, premier position there. Bruce Johnston, not really in position to be an offensive or defensive catcher at this point. Um, although he did put up three war this year, but I think this he's 36 years old. This is probably his last season um, doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I'm, I'm looking through these like individual ratings on Philly's defense, and I don't hate a lot of them. Um, Juan Morales is not an elite defensive shortstop like he would be at second base, but he's not terrible. Ronaldo Sanchez is not really a good defensive left fielder, but he shouldn't kill you. Um, Jose Acevedo is a bad defensive third baseman, um, or at least average. So I... I think with a lot of times you'll see with these bad defensive teams, it will be because um, you know they've got bad defenders playing in premier positions. And in Philadelphia's case, I think it's more just that they don't have any elite defenders anywhere. Um, I mean, Rodrigo Arroyo, as good as he's been offensively, is a below average defensive first baseman um, and second baseman for that matter, but he's playing at first base. Um, Palmer Mailman, average second baseman defensively. Jose Acevedo, mediocre. Uh, William Salinas, uh, Salinas is actually pretty good. Um, Trapezano, probably a below average defensive center fielder. Bruce Johnson, below average. Um, Juan Morales, playing out of position, mediocre defensive shortstop. Um, maybe a little above mediocre, but just no di- no difference makers on that side of the field. Um, and yeah, I think uh, it's tough, but I think I'm going with Boston in seven. I think that's where I'm going there. Excuse my uh, my mistake there. Boston and Philadelphia are both red, and it's been a long week. It's Friday, so uh, last second round series, Cloud City versus Italia. This is crazy. Italia is just absolutely horrible at getting hits. They're top nine in everything except for batting average, in which they're 22nd. How are you 22nd in batting average and you're top third of the league and everything else? It doesn't make any sense. Um, Italia has three starting pitchers that I trust. Um, the fourth one is a four-pitch lefty, so maybe there's you know some playoff potential there, a la uh, Cincinnati a few years ago. But he's not really – he doesn't do anything great. Um I already forgot his name. It's uh, Oscar Alvarez. I don't know. His ERA was under four this year in over 200 innings. So I guess he's an innings eater. But I wouldn't want him necessarily pitching in a playoff series for me. Um, but, I mean, he did put up three and a half war. I mean, he's he's solid. Um, here's where I think Italia's problem is, is, is really bad here is that um, they're going to have – Italia's going to throw two, two left-handed pitchers. And Cloud City absolutely crushed left-handed pitching all year. They were, other than uh, my team, which 
was 27 and 9 versus left-handed pitching this season. Cloud City was 26 and 14, which I think is the second best record um, by you know by winning percentage and just total wins. Brooklyn also had 26 wins against uh, left-handed pitching, but they had 17 losses. So. Um, just really solid against left-handed pitching all year. And then, of course, if you're going to be Cloud City, you have to beat Gombi or Luis Gonzalez at least twice, one each or one of them twice. And I don't think you're going to do that when you're throwing left-handed pitching against Cloud City. So I'm saying Cloud City in five here. Pains me to say, but this could be a sweep. Uh, but it also could not be. I don't know. Cloud City kind of struggled against other top end teams this year it seemed like so not just me but some other issues uh just crushed the bottom half of the table um but italia is not a bottom half of the table team so maybe italia can force this to six or hell i don't know maybe they can win the series but i'm picking i'm picking cloud city in five um semifinals vincent versus pittsburgh again i you guys can't expect me to be here and and be unbiased uh it's probably just not going to happen I have not done this podcast when, when my team is actually competing. This is the first time. Um, and yeah, so uh, again, Pittsburgh Pittsburgh lineup is extremely lefty heavy. And I've, I've asked Corey to trade me some of his awesome hitters that are, are, are good against uh, some of his awesome platoon guys and uh, that are good against right-handed pitching, and he hasn't done it yet. Um, and so maybe if I'm able to use my left-handed pitching to exploit the fact that Edacasio sucks against uh, left-handed pitching, maybe maybe he'll trade me Edacasio. At which point, this would uh, this would be a great uh, series outcome for me. We'll see. I'm, I'm kidding, of course. But um, yeah, a lot of lefty-heavy, a lot of platoons here in Pittsburgh. Uh, Chung's in Pittsburgh. Can't hit lefties. Willie Villa's in Pittsburgh. Can't hit lefties. Um, Juan Vasquez, the catcher, can't hit lefties. Um, I think he's even got a couple more here. Uh, His lineup's not completely filled out, so it's tough for me to see who can't hit lefties. Um, Oh, man, Stuart Woodger's on this team. Had him last year. I do miss Jot more. I do... I, one of my the biggest regrets of my entire rebuild, which lasted two years, was not drafting Jot Moreland. Um, just a crafty middle infielder uh, who can also play third base. Italia ended up getting him in what? The end of the first, second? Uh, end of the first round, 24th overall pick. I wanted him so badly. I tried to get him to trade him to me. He wouldn't. He traded him to Corey, and now Corey won't trade him to me. So... Uh, obviously, my biggest goal out of the series is um, getting Corey to trade me all of the players of his that, that I like. Um, and that's about as unbiased as I can be about this situation. So, Vincent at seven. Uh, Cloud City versus Boston. You guys don't need me to tell you this, but Cloud City doesn't really have any weaknesses. Um, their lineup, it's so fascinating. I, I kind of dug into this the other day, and I've, I've been waiting to, to, to look at this. And I'm going to use this opportunity here um, with their matchup with Boston to to kind of explain the brilliance of Cloud City's batting order, at least as I see it. It is completely comprised of hitters that A, have not, have blue avoid Ks, the rating avoid Ks, it's in the blue, or blue power. That's it. All they do is hit singles, hit home runs, 
and the singles hitters don't strike out. And it worked. Enrique, Enrique Osorio, 338. Uh, the catcher, what's his name? Mas, Masatur Haraguchi. Haraguchi, 331. Uh, Tyra, man, Cloud City, get some, Will, get some players whose names I can pronounce. This is ridiculous. Uh, Sujimoto. Um, uh, Sujimoto, 288. Uh, Miguel Candelaria, 329. Insulcock, 298. All singles hitters. All they did was hit singles. And you know what it worked. You know why? Because Herman Ackland, 40 home runs. Juan Velasquez, 38 home runs. Rafael Hernandez, 33 home runs. All of them over 110 RBI. They just hit single after single after single until you get into that 3-4-5 part of the order. And then Ackland, Velasquez, and Hernandez hit home run after home run after home run after home run. And it led to Cloud City scoring 914 runs this season. And it's incredible. And they're all great defenders. All they do is play defense, they don't strike out, and three of them hit home runs. And I guess McNeilson hits home runs sometimes. Uh, and Miguel Candaria sometimes. It's incredible. Um, and I don't think Boston has any answers for it, to be honest. And I don't think Boston has any answers for Gambi and Luis Gonzalez. Maybe if Avon Torres can, let's see, Avon Torres goes up against one of them twice. Sure, maybe Avon maybe Torres can win both of those games. Most likely, I think Avon Torres split his two starts, and uh, I'm picking Cloud City in five, because I don't think Boston has another starting pitcher that can maneuver around this lineup, and I don't think Boston's lineup can keep up with Cloud City's just barrage of singles and home runs. Um, they don't even get walks, it's just singles. I don't even know, and here's another thing, and this is the thing, if you're waiting for the Cloud City dynasty to end, it's not gonna happen, um, but, if you're waiting for their luck to if you're if you are waiting for their luck to run out a little bit, it might run out next season um, because Cloud City's batting average on balls in play was enormously high this year, 317, 317 batting average with balls in play. I have not done the requisite research to see if that's the all-time high, um, but it is uh, it's 12 points higher. Than, than the second closest team, which is Boston, actually at 305. For for context here, for further context, I had the by run scored, I had the second best offense in the league this year. My batting average on balls in play was 273. It's like over 40 points higher. Or yeah, 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 yeah. over 40 points higher for Cloud City's batting average on balls in play. It's incredible. Um, all they did was hit singles, don't strike out play defense, and three of them hit home runs. Um, and it's brilliant. And I think it's going to kick the hell out of Boston. Um, which brings me to the Thunderdome. I can't possibly break down break this down for you guys without bias again. Um, I'm just happy to be here. If I get to the World Series, great. I've never been. It's kind of the only... I mean, I want to win, but it's the primary goal. Uh, it's the monkey that I've been trying to get off the, off my back. Uh, just get to the World Series, and we'll worry about winning it another time. Um, I was 7-0 against them in the regular season, but something tells me that's just not going to matter. It might. I've got a lot of... I, I've got, you know, obviously this offseason and during the season, I trade for a lot of guys with some postseason ped pedigree, like uh, Ho Wong and uh, Hansu Pak, and even I think, uh, I think Rex Clark has some... Uh, yeah, Rex Clark was on the 2030-14 that, that won it. Um, and then I get on Angel Garcia, who's on the, the first Team Beal champion team. 
and, and so on. And so in doing that, you know, maybe some of those guys have, uh, have a little bit of extra in them. And I, I hope that's the case. And maybe that's why they were able to, uh, to edge out Cloud City in, in the regular season. Um, but just for the purposes of setting expectations of my insanity here, I'm, uh, I'm picking Cloud City in six. And again, I don't have a whole lot of unbiased analysis with that. Um, if I get to the World Series and lose in six, it will be a disappointment, but a, an overall a, uh, a successful season coming off two, two long rebuilding years. So um, that's my, my playoff prediction from for the second and third and then fourth, wait. Yeah, second, third, and fourth rounds. Um, okay, let's do awards time. Um, I'm gonna do MVP Cy Young and Rookie of the Year. I don't wanna do, I'm not gonna do GM of the year because I don't even have the the requisite data in front of me as far as like, you know, on Stats Plus when we vote on that, we don't see, uh, you know, where you see, uh, you know, the change in wins from one year to the next. Um, uh, I don't have that in front of me. Um, I guess I will highlight, I think Philly did a great job uh, kind of reinventing that team, getting that rotation a little bit younger. And I think uh, I think Philly's done a good job. I think Boston did a really, really good job and will probably end up winning this award um, to make to make enough trades in the off season. You know, you go make, you know, a few big moves and uh, you know, you go get a Raphael Ortiz, um, and uh, and some other and some other uh, Avant. Let's see, sign Avant Torres in the off season. Um, I'm kind of blanking on the other moves that they made. Um, There's a really big one around the draft that was controversial. I remember, but I don't remember which one it was. I don't remember who they got now. Uh, I don't. But Boston did a great job. Philly, Philly, Boston, and I'll pick one other team here to highlight. Um, um, how about Durham? I already talked about Andrew a lot. It's the first time Durham has been in the postseason. That first time that franchise ever getting into the postseason got within a few breaks away of uh, potentially winning a first round series. So those are three GMs that I would highlight. Um, and then I don't want to do reliever of the year because I think it's boring. So um, obviously, if you disagree, then you're entitled to your opinion. But I don't. I don't think that. Uh, I don't want to glance through. Save numbers or ERA plus for uh, for that. So MVP. Uh, here's my ballot. Gombi. I've got Gombi winning the MVP. I've got one Juan Chul Hoang uh, shortstop for me in second, and then I've got Miguel Candelaria, um, the leadoff hitter in Cloud City, in third. Um, Gombi was just spectacular. Um, 9.6 war, 171 ERA plus, led the league in wins, ERA, innings pitch, strikeouts, and whip. What more do you want, guys? Um, just spectacular. Uh, I'm glad we got a full season out of him, unlike last year when he uh, he missed, I think, about five weeks. Um, and I, I, what's crazy is last season is by far his best ever. Uh, because he had a 1-4-2 ERA and 196 innings. And he had more war last year than he did this year, even though he had six fewer starts. Um, but this is probably... I'm just glancing at it here. Either his third or fourth best season. Yeah. 
and he's already won four Cy Youngs, so uh, I believe and one MVP, and I believe he's going to win another MVP, or he should win another MVP in my opinion, and he's for sure 100% going to win the Cy Young. Um, Ho Wong, you can call this a homer pick if you want. It's probably fair, um, but dude put up 7.64 for me. Um, while only he missed five weeks with an injury, he was on pace for just on pace for probably, I think it was, uh, he would have hit over 50 home runs, probably would have had 120 RBI, um, and would have had darn near 10 more, um, if he doesn't miss that fourth or so of the season. So, um, I think good for him, you know, in terms of, uh, just been rewarded for that great season at 33 years old. Uh, hope he gets recognized. And then uh, Miguel Candelaria, um, 329, 7.8 war uh, for Cloud City in the leadoff spot, playing center field. Um, yeah, just, I think he had the most war, 150 OPS plus while playing a decent center field, I think, uh, I think is solid. So uh, I had him third. Um, Cy Young, I covered it. Gombe's going to win. Yvonne Torres, uh, covered him a little bit earlier. Uh, great season. Maybe his last, probably most likely his last great season. Um, and then, uh, another guy that I wanted to highlight, I don't know if he's going to get third, but Fuquan Gang, who is somebody that I've noticed over the last couple of years more and more in Baton Rouge is that team. Baton Rouge is, you know, the, the deep playoff runs have not happened yet for Baton Rouge, but that team the last couple of years has, all it's done is win a ton of games. Um, uh, let me verify this here. Um, yeah, 97 wins last year, 92 wins this year. So, you know, on you're probably gonna win another 90 next year. Um, Got a first round by last year, finished just a few games out this season of getting there. Um, and a big part of that is this Fuquan Gang guy who's an extreme ground ball, 100 mile per hour pitcher with 90 stamina, who's gonna challenge to lead the league in innings every year. He's got three really solid pitches, above average control, and uh, in, in 70 movement. So, uh, and he this year put up 5.2 war in, uh, in 32 starts. So. Excellent stuff from him. I had him. I'm gonna have him third on my Young ballot. Rookie of the year, uh, Avon Moda. This this sucks because I Avon, I have Avon Moda one, who I tried to trade for so badly from Everett before the season, um, but Everett knew what he had and smartly held on to him. And all he did was hit like what did he get like 350? Uh, he's 341. So yeah, pretty awesome for a rookie to hit, you know, play an, an above average right field at, with 151 OPS plus and four and a half war at 25 years old. Um, yeah, and he also, by the way, he hit 14 home runs and he probably has, you know, 54 home run power. He has the potential to hit 20 uh, if he, well, well, the problem is, is he doesn't play against lefties. So if he could play against lefties, he'd hit 20 home runs every year but he doesn't. So he only played in 75% of the games. Um, so he only had 14 home runs this season, but dude's gonna be a leadoff hitter for like eight years. Um, and he's gonna be a problem, whether he's in Everett or somewhere else. Um, and he's the rookie of the year. I don't think it's particularly close, which pains me to say that because Mitchell Keevil, my own pride and joy, 
my son, Mitchell Keevil, who many of you have tried to trade for and I stubbornly held on to throughout my rebuild, uh, had an outstanding rookie season, 120 ERA plus, three, three and a half war, led all rookie pitchers in ERA with 3.35, and uh, got to 174 innings, which I think is really good for, for a rookie. Um, led rookies in a bunch of different statistics. Um, if it doesn't take me too long to pick this or to pull this up, I will tell you which statistics he he led rookies in. Um, he led rookie qualified rookies in ERA, uh, WHIP, uh, FIP, ERA plus, RA nine dash WAR. I don't even know what that is to be honest with you. Opponents batting average and winning percentage. Um, so yeah, great rookie season for Mitchell Keevil. I think he wins it a lot of years, um, but not this year. And then third on my ballot is another guy that kind of pisses me off, to be honest with you guys. Uh, Wilhelm Zimmerman, who was once a Rule 5 draft pick of mine that I released back into the ether, back to Portland, because the old Portland owner wanted me to. And he didn't look, any, he didn't look like he was any good. Um, so I did. And then Wilhelm Zimmerman overnight became a 80 potential starting pitcher. So uh, never release your Rule 5 picks because they will come back to haunt you. Um, three and a half war, 115 ERA plus, 3.5 ERA, 133 innings. A lot of this was actually as a reliever, now that I'm looking at it for some reason. Uh, I don't really know why. Maybe, uh, maybe Mark just didn't think, uh, didn't think he was ready to start, which is perfectly reasonable. Uh, he's only 24 years old and his movement is still only a 34. So um, let me look at his splits actually, I'm curious. So as a, they're actually, they're pretty similar. He was a little bit better as a starting pitcher. 18 starts, ERA plus of 121. Um, as a, he had 22 appearances as a reliever with an ERA plus of 102. Uh, so a little bit better as a starter, but still solid around, all around. He is my third rookie of the year choice. Rookie of the year choice. All right, guys. I've just been rambling into a microphone by myself for 42 minutes. So I hope you guys enjoyed uh, enjoyed the show. I will probably not be back. Um, maybe, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll do a preseason predictions pod. That'll be the next time you hear from me. Um, or maybe, I don't have a first round pick. So actually, if the, dra if the draft is interesting, I may do a draft podcast and, a, and an off season recap. No promises because if the draft is dull like it's been the last couple of years, uh, I don't even think it's worth covering, but if the draft is interesting, then I will do a draft recap podcast because I do not have a first-round pick so uh, and have no real intentions of trying to get one. So, so yeah, that's where, uh, that's where things are at with the immediate future. Um, I don't think I have any other notes. I don't know, guys. Go Vincent, right? Am I right? Go Vincent? Probably everybody but Cloud City saying that. And in Everybody else who's still left in the field in Pittsburgh, mostly. Uh, Pittsburgh can root against me, but all right, guys. Y'all take care and uh, talk soon.